Welcome to the Impact Community Podcast, a conversation between pastors and church leaders. Whether you're a seasoned pastor or just a church planner trying to figure things out, none of us were meant to do ministry alone. That's why we have community, community that makes an impact. Welcome to the conversation. Let's talk. Well, hey, everybody. So glad to see you. Good to see Melvin Reddy on here today. Uh, infamous for many reasons. One very little known fact is he was the first man to let me preach. And, uh, and uh, I love that man. So great to see so many awesome new faces on here. Good to see you, Paul Records. Good to see everybody. I know a lot of people are going to be jumping on. And I'm excited about this uh, time change. I know for me, uh, 1030 at night was on the East Coast. Uh, definitely interrupted uh, baby time slash my pregnant wife time. And this is a lot better for my marriage and my son. So thank you, everybody. This is awesome. I got introduced to him uh, last year uh, by Devin Akers, who's also on this call, and lives right down the street from me here, actually. And I don't think it's an accident that uh, he's been, of course, leading in these conditions, uh, not being able to publicly gather as a church, although the church isn't closed. Uh, he's been having to do a lot of what we're all jumping into for years. And of course, you guys have heard him at General Conference and because of times and all that good stuff. So uh, his speaking ability precedes itself. But I, I just wanted to say before I jumped on here, I know for me as a young as a young leader and pastor, uh, he's had such a profound impact on my life. Just uh, in even a short amount of time, just given some context to how to be the church uh, when you can't do it the American style. And so I think uh, he's going to be very uh, key to giving us some understanding. So excited about it. And uh, Brother Hundley, why don't you take it away? Hey, everybody. Good morning, afternoon, wherever you are. Um, it's great to be here. Thank you, Jamil. Um, i tell you what. I, I, I told Devin, um, I'm not sure if it was a mistake or what, when I joined that call a couple weeks ago. <laughs> this, um, I'd much rather just preach to normal people. Um, and not, not that I'm going to preach today, but, um, uh, man, I, I respect so many people, uh, on this call. Uh, I came in and man, Iowa's representing today. Um, Michigan's here. It's, it's so good to see people that I, I really do respect and, and, uh, it's, it's time to be here, but thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, it is great to be here. Um, I'm in the States, landed 12 weeks ago today um, for deputation. This is not, this is not, in case you're wondering, this is not what I anticipated for, for deputation. Um, I, we had about five or six weekends, which were great. And uh, then COVID-19 happened. And so we're safe in Michigan. I thank God for that. It's been great to to uh, spend some time with family. Somebody asked me honestly the other day, they said, how are you doing? I said, well, we, we alternate between amazing moments of family closeness and thoughts of murder. Um, that's kind of the reality of, of where we're at. I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old and uh, we're living in a thousand square foot house that we're grateful for. Um, but I tell you what, just being honest, uh, it, there are challenging times. And, and I want to say, I come today with what I, I don't feel adequate, number one, to speak to you. Um, I'll, I'll share some of my story here in, in a little bit. Um, I come 
outsider's view. Uh, I left full-time ministry in the States in January of 2003. Uh, I've lived primarily overseas uh, for the last 17 plus years. I've never started a church in North America. I have never pastored in North America. I do not claim the expertise that the men and the leaders in this room uh, have, uh, but I do believe I have a slightly different perspective. And so today, this is a buffet. You take what you like and you leave leave everything else behind. Uh, everything will not that I'll say will not apply. Uh, if you disagree with me, that's great too. Uh, we can talk about it. You won't hurt my feelings. But again, uh, it's good to be here. And I want to say with all sincerity, I applaud you. Uh, I have been absolutely amazed at how our fellowship has stepped up. Um, I, I've seen rural pastors with no online experience jump into this. I've seen churches who were already doing things up their game. Um, I've never been more thankful and excited for the United Pentecostal Church than I am right now. You, you, you've done, done absolutely amazing. And uh, it's been amazing to see the versatility, the creativity that people have put in. Um, the, the forethought, listening to Brother Soto a couple weeks ago, man, the questions you're asking and the, the, the thought you're putting into things is absolutely amazing. And I, I really do applaud you for it and thank God for it. Uh, my background, um, I started out in Latin America. Um, so Spanish was my world for quite a while. Transitioned a little bit of time in Africa, Eastern Europe. Got married to an Eastern European beautiful lady. Uh, we've been for the past 15 years. Uh, and then just at General Conference, we've transitioned into Access Challenge Nations as our official appointment. Uh, what that means is basically the, the 30 least reached nations and territories uh, with persecution. That's the world that we are endeavoring to reach. Um, I'll say this, I do claim to have ever been persecuted, but I have worked closely with those who live in near constant persecution. Uh, in the routine course of ministry, we interact with people who have been in, imprisoned for their faith, who face risk of death, risk of severe repercussions, all of that. And so uh, it's an incredibly humbling thing to serve those people. Um, it's, it, it's, it's absolutely humbling to, to stand before people who have endured so much for the gospel's sake when I come from a North American perspective. Um, that really I, I've never endured persecution there. Most of the time, I'll just be honest, I feel pretty ill-equipped. Um, I feel like it's they that should be teaching me. Um, you know, the, the Iranian evangelist who gets beaten so badly, but yet she tells people about Jesus. Uh, my Omani friend sees the name of Jesus written in Arabic in the clouds over his city and begins to tell people uncontrollably about Isa and how he is full power. Um, the Malaysian couple who live their lives every day as conservative Muslims 
so that they can remain embedded in a society and use their nights under cover of darkness to share Jesus with the most conservative members of their community. Um, that's the world that I've been thrown into. And while I don't claim, and, and I'll just be honest, I don't believe we're enduring persecution right now. Um, I, I know there's people out there that disagree with me very vociferously. I don't believe this is persecution, um, but I think there are some parallels between the reality that we're starting to deal with and the persecuted <laughs> church. And so, uh, I, 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 again, I say I don't fully understand your world of ministry, and I, I'm pretty sure you don't fully understand the world that I live in. Uh, and so, what I what I come today is I want to offer to you. Six things I learned from my persecuted friends. Six things that I've learned from my persecuted friends. Um, and I pray that there will be some parallels between the spectrum of the world I live in and the spectrum of the world that you are now facing. Um, number one, let's just jump right in here. Uh, number one, things I learned from my persecuted friends. Persecution for my sake is not the same as persecution for his sake. Here's the thing. When we jump into new worlds, when we jump or are thrown, in this case, into new worlds, there are options and there are choices Real persecution exists, but let me tell you this. Some people also just make bad choices. Um, the result of that is the same. And, and I'll just be honest. There are people who have been applauded for suffering for Jesus when in reality what they suffered their own poor choices. Uh, um, a lady, she, what denomination she was, but she gave me some good advice when we first went to, when we first went to, she said, you know, it's one thing to get kicked out of this country for giving someone a Bible. She said, it's a completely other thing to get kicked out because you had to write your friend back home and tell them about it. And so there's a big difference between suffering persecution or being reviled for his namesake and being reviled for choices that I make in difficult situations. And the truth is this, difficult situations do not remove personal responsibility. It, it simply adds weight onto those personal responsibility choices that we're already making. And um, I, I'm not going to go down the road of discussing specific situations, but I will say this. I believe, I was talking to a friend, um, a pastor actually in Dubai just this morning, uh, Dubai is getting ready to open up and they're, they're, you know, weighing all these things. And he was telling me some of the, 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 the benchmarks that they're looking for. And, um, and I said to him, I said, you know, this reopening phase, I believe is probably going to be a greater test of our leadership than the lockdown phase. Um, because we are going to be making subjective decisions with limited information 
And there is going, there, you know, there's always going to be people that criticize, but the level of criticism that 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 we're getting ready to go through, potentially, um, I believe we we need to ha- take a humble approach. You know, people in our churches are going, and, and in the Middle East, we have this. We have people who have varying degrees of risk tolerance, and trying to lead a congregation through where some people are uncomfortable with meeting. Some people will meet and say, let's just go out. All of that, we have got to have wisdom. The bottom line is if you're praying for anything right now, I would strongly suggest that you pray for a good dose of wisdom um, and that that God will meet us there. Uh, Number one, persecution for my sake is not the same as persecution for his name's sake. Uh, number two, and, and this shifts the focus just a little bit. Uh, I'm going to jump all over with these observations. Um, number two, the gifts are not just for a select few. Gifts of the Spirit are not just for a select super spiritual few. Um, you do not have to be a mature believer to hear God's voice and walk in the Spirit. Contrary to what decades of tradition have told some of us, you do not have to be a mature believer to walk in the Spirit. The gifts are not an indication of maturity. Fruit is definitely an indication of maturity, but gifts are most certainly not. And you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, in a persecuted environment and in a limited environment, it has everything to do with everything. Because when we enter into a place where suddenly our options are limited, our ability to control things is limited, our ability to function like we always have is limited, there it creates a margin between what we believe we should see and what we are actually able to produce. Let me tell you, the only thing that can make up that margin is the power of the Holy Ghost at work in his people. Your technology and my technology skills can can be fantastic, but I'm telling you, that margin between being able to physically lay hands on somebody and pray them through the Holy Ghost versus doing that over a screen, I think you've discovered that there are some limitations. And in my opinion, it is impossible for us to be the church that God wants us to be until we enable and teach that the gifts are not just for a select few. Paul's church planning efforts, he he literally turned the world upside down, and the longest he spent anywhere was, I think, three and a half years. The only way you can explain that is that he taught people to not be as dependent on him as much as dependent on the power of the Holy Ghost. And and I'll just go here and say this. There are people suffering uh, in an extreme way today because they have not been taught to live in the spirit and walk in the spirit. And that has created a disconnect between the church house and their house. And so the gifts have to be enabled. Um, Gifts, again, they're not measures of maturity. Um, a friend of mine went before the Global Missions Board a few years ago, and in the G interview, they're asked 
They said, you know, um, what, which gifts of the spirit are you used in? Have you been used in? And my, my friend said all of them with a straight face, 20, 27 years old, looked at the board and said, yeah, I've, I've been used in all of them. And uh, it wasn't arrogance. It was born of necessity. And so here's what I believe. I believe that if you've never been used strongly in the gifts, it could be that you've never needed to be, but it's a new day. If church has never been real strong on the gifts of the spirit, it, that maybe that was doable, but it, let me just tell you, it's a new day. And the only way that, that we can fulfill the functions of the church is to allow it to operate the way Jesus intended it for, to operate. And that is with the full flow of his spirit. Um, we've got to have the power of the spirit. Uh, literally, the church can flourish anywhere if the spirit is at work. Uh, the Holy Ghost is a well. It's, it's not a place we go to. The Holy Ghost is in us a well, and it, it creates in us that ability to, to literally, as Pergamum said, as sorry, as John wrote about Pergamum said, the church at Satan's seat. Literally, they planted a church at Satan's seat at the, the epicenter of satanic authority and demonic power. They did it because they weren't dependent on external sources for the flow of the spirit. Um, we, we've got to have the gifts at work in our churches. That, that's something I learned from my persecuted friends. Uh, number three, this is simple and self-evident. Risk is an integral element of faith. Risk is an integral element of faith. If everything we do is risk-free, we are probably living faithless lives. I'll say that again. If everything we do is risk-free, we're probably living at best faith deficient, but possibly faithless. Uh, complete elimination of risk would result in the complete defeat of the church's mission. In order to, to do what he's called us to do, there has to be some degree of risk. And so my question to myself my question to our pastors, those, those that, that I'm blessed to lead, what spirit-led or obedience-led risk am I taking right now in leading the church? Because if I, if I err on the side of complete security, I will shut down the mission of the church. So I have to make riskful choices that are spirit-led and obedience-based. The church can only operate in persecution if we up our tolerance for risk. If risk is, is if we're totally averse to risk, then, then we're going to be shut down. We won't be able to operate in, in communist China. We won't be able to operate in, in Somalia or Mauritania. or We would have been shut down a long time ago in Saudi Arabia. But the truth is the church is able to flourish in those places because we are not risk averse, because risk is an integral part of faith. Um, another way of putting that question would be, what are we doing right now that requires God showing up in order to be successful? Uh, that's, that's a huge question. Uh, just to, to recap real quick, uh, 
persecution for my sake is not the same as persecution for his sake. The gifts are not for just for a select few. Risk is an integral element of faith. And I hope you love me after this next one. Giving is not just for believers in abundance. I'm not here to take an offering. I, I do not have PIM slips right here. This is not, that's not what this is about. But let me just tell you, giving is not just an extra thing. My friends in persecution have taught me that the blessing of God will not flow into people that don't give. You say, well, our, our economic situation has changed. Sure, our economic situation has changed. But that fundamental fact that giving is not just for believers in abundance has not changed. What I've found is the same principle that works during abundance works at least equally well and usually much better for those who are living in suffering. Uh, I, I've, I've seen believers live in abject poverty with a deeper revelation of giving than some of the most materially blessed people I've, I've met. There's something about giving that opens up the windows of heaven, and I've seen it in the persecuted church in ways that have absolutely blown my mind. Um, uh, there's there situations I could think of. I, I could think of the, the sister who made about $100 a month in the church in Jordan. She literally gave $85 a month to missions. Now, I don't recommend that level of giving all the time because it would be hard to live. But let me tell you, she never lacked. And I know that sounds crazy. I know to our well-planned, well-thought-out, strategically driven minds, we think that's absolutely ludicrous. And some of you are probably thinking that's not just ludicrous, it's irresponsible. Let me tell you, true apostolic giving will look irresponsible to some people. And the persecuted church has taught me that. All giving cannot be based on planned, well-thought-out percentages. There has to be room for the moving of the Spirit and for sacrifice. And I'll just be honest, in this time, this is one of the clearest things God has spoken to me. Um, that, that I've got to be a, a giver. Giving is not just for, for believers in abundance. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm almost done. Um, the church, number five, the church is defined by function and not form. The church is defined by function and not form. In all you do, safeguard the functions of the church. The church must be salt. The church must be light. The church must be the city set on a hill that can't be hidden from view. The church must be a gospel preaching, baptizing entity. The function of the church must be protected at all costs. And, and the challenge that I think some of us have had, and all of us have had to some degree, and, and we face it going into new countries, what does what what forms matter and what forms don't well the truth is most forms don't matter 
it's function that matters. And so don't, in persecution, my friends have taught me that you don't have to hold on to form as long as you are fulfilling function. And, and you, it's up to everyone. We've got to determine what are the fundamental functions of the church. Uh, teaching, preaching, fellowship, evangelism, giving, pastoral care. You, you, you can make your own list. Um, make your decisions based on fulfilling the functions of the church and not just the forms of the church. That's what my friends in persecution have taught me. Um, you, you, can, you can be the church in the most difficult circumstances in the world. You can be the church when it's illegal to be the church. You, you can be the church in, in whatever situation there is. And finally, um, Jesus is worth it. If I've learned anything from my persecuted friends, that, that Jesus is worth it. Um, one of the most surreal moments in my life was on our first visit to Central Asia stands area if you wonder where central asia the all those countries that end in stand and we go and we're we're the speakers at, at this conference and you know people come from several countries and and my wife is is talking to a lady translating through her son and you know my my wife is we're we're very interested in you know what what what's your experience what's your what's your life like what what's god done for you and she began to tell we were among the we were the first believers in our town. We were the we were the first people to follow Jesus in our town. And she said we went to every, every house and we shared Jesus. And then persecution came, she said, and um, they killed our son and left his body on on our front door. And then we and and I, it, it, honestly, like I, I I thought I had misunderstood. I thought I thought that I'm like, okay, he just mistranslated that. Let's let's just cover that again. I didn't. He didn't mistranslate that his 18 year old brother was murdered because his parents followed Jesus, wouldn't shut up about Jesus, and the woman stood there and told me. It was worth it. Let me just tell you, coming from the world that I have been privileged to live in and the people I've been privileged to serve, we are not enduring persecution in America right now. In fact, we are still in a position of extreme material blessing extreme liberty, all of those things we have in extreme. But let me tell you this, even if it's taken away, Jesus is still worth it. And I just want to, I want to close my portion of it here and just tell you that what you're doing matters. The people you're serving and how you serve them matters. And I, I know that there are people on this call enduring pain, time, effort. There's people struggling financially. I, I recognize all of that. But if I could leave one word with you that I've learned from my friends in persecution, it's that Jesus really is worth it.
And whatever you give up and whatever you sacrifice, whatever you endure, it's, it's worth it, my friends. And, and Jesus really is who he says he is. He really is our exceeding great reward. Those are things I've learned from my friends in persecution. And uh, I pray they're a blessing to you today. Um, let's yeah. talk. Yeah. Well, hey, that was incredible. Thank you so much. And I know we left room for Q&A, but um, could you pray for us real quick before we do anything? I, th- I think it'd be an appropriate Absolutely. moment to pray. Absolutely. Lord Jesus, I love you today. God, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the people the influence that's represented on this call right now. Lord, there are, there are people with apostolic voices. Lord, there's people with, with prophetic giftings. There's people, Lord, that you have such a plan and a purpose for. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would remove fear from the hearts and minds of these men right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. I speak to underlying fear, and I pray that faith would conquer that. I pray that courage would come upon them. I pray that an assurance that they are called for this moment. This is not a casual moment, but this is a called moment. And that you are giving us the wisdom corporately and individually to lead your people into the future. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a a greater appreciation for the gifts I pray, Lord, that if, if men like me who come from places that, that undervalued or, or did not appreciate or operate in those things, I pray that you would give us desire, wisdom, and understanding in leading our churches and discipling people into the full understanding of, of your power making up the margin in this time. I pray, God, that you would lead us like never before. Let the power of the Holy Ghost be at work in us and through us. I pray for my brothers right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Hunley. And uh, I feel the Spirit of God so strong. And I know where I'm sitting right now. And uh, I'm just so thankful that you uh, shared that with us. Uh, I feel so impacted. I know it's kind of hard to really move out of that moment, um, but I, you know, since we have Brother Hunley here, we did want to take chances for people to get to ask some questions. Um, you know, some practicalities of of maybe reaching people uh, in a time like this. Of course, you covered so many things, so we did want to give an opportunity for people to ask questions. Uh, and if you have them, uh, you can go ahead and unmute and and go ahead and shoot them. And uh, of course, we we did schedule this. Uh, for an hour, but you can ask some questions. We'll, we'll have time to do that. And then, you know, we may jump into a little discussion, but just want to make sure we gave a chance to do that. So anybody got any questions, go ahead and unmute and, and go for it. And, and uh, don't, don't hesitate because uh, you're scared you're going to talk over somebody. It's just, a, it just comes with being on Zoom. <laughs> so. Hey, Bradley. Uh Paul Records here from San Marcos, Texas. Uh, here's a question uh, I'd love to throw out there, get your perspective on. I think one thing for me personally that has been hard about this pandemic 
is the simple fact that there is no real precedent uh, that we can go to for perspective or as a reference point. It's completely new. There really, in my mind, doesn't really seem to be any kind of uh, uh, precedent that we can learn from or look to uh, in recent history. And so when you are entering a brand new country uh, that may not has heard the gospel or it's you're opening up a new country, you know, in that transition into that place, you know, there, it seems to be a similar environment in that there's no precedent. You're starting from scratch. You're building the reference point. You know, you're starting with fresh perspective. How do you approach that situation? How do you approach moving into that environment where there does not seem to be any precedent to really learn from? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and just to, to say that, um, we, we did that in, in Oman, um, you know, the, the typical evangelical worker in the country where I live, if you have one convert every 10 years, you are a success story. So we have no indigenous Christian expression ever in history. Um, and so we moved into that territory. And, and let me tell you, number one, your metric for success changes. You cannot use previous metrics of success in that environment. Um, you, have to, you have to change what success looks like and what you celebrate. Now, the parallel here, I, I would say, is, is, you know, there are obvious limitations to what we can do if we can't physically meet, um, and we have to work around those. For, for us, um, we, we had to find ways to connect with people in a place where you can't pass out tracks. Now, that's not the challenge right now. That's, that's, there's different sets, but again, I think the core of it is you have to come up with a new metric for what success looks like. And, and that's gonna change. That's gonna completely change based on whether you're rural or whether you're urban, um, what part of the country you're in, I think all those things. And so um, for me, if I had not changed the metric of success, I would have lived a far more frustrated and unfulfilled life than I have lived the last 10 years. I'm not saying I haven't been frustrated. I'm not saying I haven't had unfulfilled moments. But because I was able to make that transfer, I think there's some there's got to be some some changes in in our metrics of success. Um, and I think we've learned that some. I was I was talking to a friend uh, in Paris about you know attendance. How do you keep attendance during this time? How do you count attendance? And and our our Facebook views really as important as what you know, we sometimes make them out to be, those are the kinds of questions I think we've got to ask and we have to rearrange and reevaluate the metric when we go into a new place. Um, I hope that that makes sense. Uh, Adam, um, if I could add to that, uh, just something that I learned from our overseas trip and then here during this COVID stuff is adaptability, things change so quickly. Adam visited us when we were missionaries in Georgia, and that was our, our second year after starting that church. And we had great liberty, but our first year, they tried to kill us. Um, 
so being adaptable during this time is going to be key, you know, and every, every church is going to be the same. Don't try to compete with, with other churches. Um, you know, what we're doing might not work where you're at. So good. So good. Yeah. There any other questions? I, I I wanted to mention we've got some questions coming. I thought I'd just jump in real fast while you're thinking of questions. If you have any more, but we're going to do our best to post this. We want to make sure with our um, with Brother Hunley that's okay before we do anything. We'll talk to you about that and figure out what would be okay and what's not okay. Um, but um, I know Jamil is going to handle any more questions. Yeah, sorry, I was still on mute. Did it again. <laughs> so hey guys. Anybody? Hey, Jason Dillon uh, here in Madison. Uh, Brother Adam, thank you sincerely. That was powerful. And my question is kind of congruent to what they just said. What would be the best way to take what you just said and either preach it or have you say it? Or maybe like, again, I want to preserve the integrity of I want to keep you confidential. But at the same time, I want to share that with the church. But I just don't know exactly how to do that. Because it was some beautiful, powerful statements, and I want to somehow get that message into the minds and the hearts of our believers here in Madison and in the kingdom. Um, you know, as as far as as sharing this, um, you know, our our kind of mo has been as long as it's not publicly available, um, and obviously that creates challenges. Um, you know, audio and stuff like that. Um, we've done a lot of Zoom things, um, situations like this. Um, but please feel free. Like anything I've said, if you want notes or like, uh, I'll I'll post them, put them wherever you want them. Um, mm. But but yeah, I you know it, it's it's a strange situation where I'm sitting um, because I, I'm pretty limited on what I can do online. Um, and so, you know, to, to be able to, to share, I'll, I'll share whatever I have um, 100%. But yeah. thank you for that. That's very kind. Yeah, and, and we did want to let you guys know we, we will, um, as much as we can, definitely the notes part of it will be sent out to everybody on the email list. And so uh, if and the brother can get your actual notes, that'd, that'd be even better. Absolutely. Uh, but we'll, we will get some form of notes sent out to everybody on the email list and so uh again anybody else have any questions any comments again hey, so good yeah i just uh it can 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 y'all hear me Are we, is that yeah good? hey taylor okay. welcome church planet what's Superstar. up nope uh so adam from your experience uh and the circles that you're involved with because I know that you were here for a little bit before Corona made its way and uh, you were traveling and everything. And now you've been here as North America has entered into this very odd season. Uh, what have you seen and heard from circles that you're involved with, uh, be it apostolic or not? I don't, I don't know that churches are doing the best capitalized in terms of the season that we're in. And as we exit this season, uh, the greatest opportunities that you that you would say for churches to improve as we get back 
into uh, what what I guess would be as normal as possible uh, operation. Um, I, good to see you, Taylor. By the way, um, my my, and I'll just answer from where I'm at. Um, our churches in the Gulf are enduring pretty much the same thing. Um, most of our people are on total lockdown. Um, we've got at least two pastors who just have three who happen to be on vacation. Uh, when the lockdown happened, we've got one stuck in Mauritius. We've got two stuck in the Philippines. Um, and so we're dealing with a lot of the same kinds of questions. Um, what do you do? One big thing that has come up for us, and this could be reflect a reflection of, of our constituency, but I don't think it is. Um, I think it has broader implications. And what, what I would say is we cannot limit our online presence and our ministry to just encouragement and just helping people make it through this. There has to be an element of teaching, preparation for the future, the, the, a future view of what's going on. I'm all for saying, you know, we're going to make it. This is going to be okay. Ministering to the soul. That's great. But there also has to be a, a, a ministry vision into the future. And, you know, we've got a lot of, of people who have more time on their hands right now. And so in the Gulf, what we're doing is we're taking video Bible school and making it available pretty much to everybody who wants it. Um, we're, we're going hardcore on doctrine. We're going, we're going all in on, on stuff that we would not probably normally cover as in-depth um, for the general. Charlene, did it just start raining? Um, it's not raining here. It's very clear outside. Um, <laughs> you got a Sorry, I didn't realize that wasn't muted. <laughs> That's all right. Um, and so for us, we're trying to take advantage of the fact that we've got hungry people with amazing futures in ministry with a lot of time on their hands right now beyond just saying, okay, let's have church on Sunday. I think this is a time where we can equip people like never before um, to be able to, to move forward into the future when this does change. Um, and so that's, that's one thing that I'll, I'll just be honest. I don't watch everybody's live stream. So I, maybe other people are doing that. Uh, but in the Gulf, that has become a big thing for us, uh, using this time for ministry development as much as just encouraging the body uh, with, a, with a view towards where we're going in the future. And that's church planting and evangelism and, and all that. Um, that's one thing that, that we're doing um, that... Yeah, I just saw LJ. Um, Ministry Central is amazing, and we use that for our guys in the Gulf as well. Um, if you can't create content, there's amazing content already created for you. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Well, hey, thank Jamil. you. Guys. Yeah, yeah, I saw hey, you. I have a, hey, I have a question. Oh, is that Court Chavis? Um, first of all, let me say... Um, uh, this is what's up, man. You see me? Can you see me? Yeah, we can um, hear you now. You were you're cutting out for a second. Yeah, I'm I'm driving, so I don't know how good my signal's gonna be. But um, Adam, uh, this was amazing. Thank you so much for uh, giving us your time, um, for and sharing this with us. I, I, it was amazing. 
I had this one question and what I like to ask is, you know, you, you, you know, you have a, a perfect view of, um, being you know, like going to a place where it takes a while for you to see the fruit of your labor. You know, you pray, you talk to people, you do all that, but it's just like, almost like you feel like the wheels are spinning. Um, and we live, you know, our culture here in America is that, you know, we want to see instant results and we want to see, you know, stuff happening and what you're doing and your ministry where God has taken you has put you in a place where like you could go, you know, months and not see any kind of fruit. And all of a sudden, you know, overnight, here we are in this pandemic and we're all kind of living on that where, you know, from week to week, I could see the growth of my church from week to week. I could see, you know, the growth of individuals from week to week. It was just like, you know, all this, you know, I didn't know I had it until I lost it, but almost like instant gratification every week. Oh, this guy's doing better. Oh, they're here. Oh, Mm -hmm. this is a new family. And so now all of a sudden we lose all that, all that gratification of having that weekly, you know, just visual, oh, this is good. This, that's good. They're doing better. And so I'm just like, you know, just how do you um, just keep the momentum and the self, how do you keep the self doubt down? And um, I know that for you in this missionary world that you're living in, that's kind of like your modus operandi, just, you know, keep your nose to the plow and go until you see something. Uh, but for us um, guys, <laughs> you know, us church planners and us guys that are doing this every day, like it's it's been an experience uh, to not be able to see that and have that instant gratification. I would just like just to get your opinion on that. That's the struggle. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 totally it. Um, what I've found and, and some something somebody told me and, and take this for what it's worth. Um, the missionary mindset has basically been, we don't go in and go for a church. We are going in after a country or we're going after a region or we're going, it's never, it's, I shouldn't say never. Most of the time, 99% of the time, the missionary mindset is I'm going after a region. I'm not going to start an individual church. And so one thing that has helped us, somebody told us this years, years ago, a mentor of mine, always have multiple things going. Um, multiple churches, multiple works, multiple. Don't ever let your vision just be completely centered on one thing. Because here's the thing. Chances are there's always going to, if you've got multiple things going on, there's always going to be revival somewhere. If if the If this work is down, probably one over here is going to be up. And the chances of them all being down at the same time, are pretty limited. And so um, I know this goes against probably a lot of what North American mindset is. Maybe it doesn't. I'm, I'm, out, I'm out of touch, so I don't know. Um, but I think this, this highlights our need to be focused on more than just one church. And, and we, whether it's small groups that we're working to develop into church plants, there should be a nursery of places and people and things that we are growing in order to send out, not to keep. And if that mentality would, would take a, a, would grasp, it would get a hold of us. Um, I think, I think it would make situations like this a whole lot easier to go through because you've got multiple harvest and you've got multiple harvest cycles going on. Um, when you do that now, 
starting something now, I think it's doable. I think online situations, I think empowering people. Uh, we've had people get baptized and get the Holy Ghost over Zoom in the Gulf in the last couple of weeks. Um, that, that can be done. Um, I think we have to find a way to have multiple. The secret for us has been having multiple works where, where there's always going to be one that's in revival, one that's blowing and going, even if the others are all falling apart. Um, and that's the benefit of the missionary mindset in the sense that we're not going after community. We're going after a region. We're going after a country. We're going after a group of countries. Um, while that can be overwhelming to some, I think in the long run, it, it helps with that frustration that could be there if you're only focused on one particular, one particular thing. Um, I hope that makes sense. Amazing. So Adam, I have a question for you. Go ahead. Um, you had mentioned that you were talking to, uh, I'm assuming the missionary in uh, France, um, about how they were counting their metrics during all of this. Um, it's been a while since I've had to use those kind of metrics. Um, did he give you any insight we could use? Um, <laughs> he actually just... Um, I'm trying to think back on that conversation. The main thing is that you, you can't use just the obvious things. You have to dig deeper to find meaningful information about who you're really ministering to. Um, just because you get 5,000 views does not mean that you are a, an amazing success. Um, and I, I think that's where, you know, re relational, the relational side of it has to come in. Um, what we've, and again, back to what I'm sorry for personal reference, but that's, that's where I'm at in the Gulf. We, we keep close contact. Our small groups meet on zoom. We, we, you know, that, that personal, that way you actually know, you actually know who you're ministering to and you know how you're ministering. Now, if you get a few that watch it and are blessed and all that happens outside of relational things, um, that's great. But where I come from, the name of the game of ministry is it's relational. And so you have to find a way to maintain that relational element. Um, and you can't do it in, in a big meeting. It, it has to be, it's hard work that has to be done on a, on one-on-one -on -one or on a small group, small group basis. Um, I think what this has done, it's, it's, it basically, it has taken the focus completely away from our large scale meetings and has demonstrated that there may be some things we're missing by focusing so much time and energy on our large scale meetings. Um, if our houses, and I, by houses, I mean not just personal, but in the church, if our houses are not equipped to flow in the spirit, to, to be able to, sorry, I mean, there's really no other metric that matters if, if individuals in our churches are, are not able to function for a few weeks on their own. And I, I don't mean that condemnatory because we've lost people like, you know, we, we've got stragglers too. We have not passed this 100 with 100% flying colors in the Gulf. Uh, we've got some pastors that have done great, some that haven't. But I think if, again, if anything, it's demonstrated the, the faults of our focus on only large scale meetings. Mm. Um, 
yeah. I love it. I hope this is okay, and I'm I might I might upset Adam uh, while you were speaking, and I I'm trying to be careful here, but um, I would love it if I'm going to send an email out uh, to everyone that's on the call. If you've not if you if you're not um, on the email list, there is a link in the chat, and we would love to have you in that link so we can update you. But um, while he was speaking, he's limited. Um, they're, they're here, but they're limited. I'm gonna put you in a really weird place. We're going to send something, um, of course, from impact community. We're also going to send something from our church. Um, and I'm, what I'm, what I mean by something is an offering for he and his family. And I'm going to ask and and I see him nodding his head, but he didn't want this. He doesn't expect this. I just felt that maybe we ought to step up in this time. Yeah and do something. And here's the thing. You don't have to carry this load by yourself. This isn't having him come speak at your church. So you carry all that. We can do this together at um, 37 participants right now. Um, if, if you could do just something and then we've had others that I've had to come and go. Um, if, if everyone was able to do a little bit of something, we might be able to bless this family during this time. Again, as I said, he's limited. He's, he's not able to jump on the, the public um, um, services as many of us can. And I just think it'd be right to do this right now. And so I'm going to send an email out. Um, and if you would like to give back, I'm going to twist his arm virtually and get an address, a cash app, whatever it might Absolutely. be. And we're going to do our best. I know some might have it. If, if you can unmute and say, I'm in, if you want to, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, yeah, I mean, great, great, great stuff. I mean, great, great stuff, Paul. Thank you. And we'll send that link out. Devin, Devin just muted. Um, Devin, unmute one more time. I mean, Jamil, yeah. sorry. Oh, that, that just, I just muted. You guys, can you guys hear me? You're back now. Okay. Hey, thank you so much. This has been amazing. We got a few minutes left. Thank you, Paul, being led by the spirit. That's been amazing. Um, there's a few minutes left. Brother Harry, by the way, we want you to pray in just a second. Yep. So get, next week. Yeah, get ready for that. And uh, next week, we are going to have uh, brother, uh, we're going to have brother Tim Gaddy with us for the impact call. And uh, it's going to be an amazing time. We'd love to have you there. Uh, and I just wanted to say thank you to brother, of course. Thank you so much for doing this. This was absolutely incredible. And then our impact team, if you guys aren't familiar of course, the Carneys, uh, Jay and Jaron Carney, uh, along with Paul Price, got this whole community started really with the mission of equipping uh, and, and launching churches, but really creating a community around that. Uh, and then, of course, David McGovern's on here all the way from California early morning out there is leads on the team. Uh, and then uh, Devin Akers, uh, who's a church planner in North Carolina, and myself, a, a young church planner, uh, help, help clean toilets for, for those amazing men. And so we're just so, so happy that you guys uh, decided to join us today. And I just want to say thank you to that team and the Carnies. You couldn't make it because of funeral today. And thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, like I said, we're going to give that, send that email out, uh, like Paul said. And if you're not on the email list, please let us know. We're going to get it sent out. We'll be back at the same time uh, with Tim Gaddy next Wednesday. And uh, Brother LJ Harry, if you're still on here, could you just close this down in prayer? And uh, thank you for all these great people that are on here. Appreciate it. Are you still on here, Brother Harry? Yes, sir. Okay. If you could pray for us, we'd appreciate it.
Yes, sir. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, God, for everything you're doing during this time, after this time. Thank you, God, for Brother Hunley. Thank you for using him to share his wisdom and experience with us. Help us to learn it. Help us to remember it. Help us to apply it. God, where our eyes are on you, give us wisdom to know what we need to do. Give us faith and give us courage to do what you're calling us to do. We want to glorify you in everything we do and make disciples during this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And uh, hey, thank you all so much. I see people asking about the email list. Uh, if you if you send it out to us, uh, we'll make sure to get the email to you. But uh, just send us your email in the comment here. And we'll get it sent out to you. Thank you all for joining. And we'll talk Thank to you Thank you all so much for everything. It was great to be with you.